how to market yourself as a public speaker and achieve massive growth in your public speaking career. All of that coming up in the latest episode of Profitable Public Speaking Podcast. For people who are new for the first time here, I'm Mark Caberti. I host the show. We have a really great guest who's joining us today. He is known as America's Legal Coach. He's the official Big Ziggler Small Business Lawyer a Ziegler Legacy Certified Trainer, and has over 20 years of experience as an attorney. For the last two decades, our special guest who joins us has been helping business owners, entrepreneurs, coaches, and service providers to shatterproof their businesses and succeed in the professional world. So today's guest for episode 15 of the Profitable Public Speaking Podcast is none other than Scott Reeb. Scott, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. Scott, it is so great to have you on the podcast. I'm definitely looking forward to diving in because a lot of people want to know, how do I market myself as a speaker? How do I grow? So before we get into all that, can you talk a little bit about how you got into public speaking and how you're able to grow that over time? Sure. Um, yeah, my first, uh, my first public speaking was my own event. Uh, so I started that way by marketing my own uh, small one-day events, which was uh, challenging, as, as you know, and then started connecting with other uh, other people who had tribes. Um, my first connection was with uh, with the Ziegler family, and uh, their uh, strategic partner Howard Partridge in Houston has a really big following of, uh, of people that do quarterly conferences with him. And so, through my relationship with him, I started doing those quarterly conferences and educating his small business owner tribe on how to protect their businesses legally, how to shatterproof their businesses. And so, um, you know, there's some kind of a, a myth about public speaking. Sometimes you get paid by the people that invite you to speak. They actually write you a check to show up. And sometimes you're, you get paid by selling from the stage. And it's often better to get paid selling from the stage because you can make more money. And so there, you have to be, you have to be clear on that when you go into public speaking that, you know, which, which way you're going to do it. And then you may need to be flexible depending on uh, the particular stage you're going on because there may be, they may pay you and then they may want a split of everything that you sell. And this is something that we haven't covered too much yet. The uh, pay to get on the stage. And I feel like for a lot of people who are listening uh, like it's something that you should practice over time before you pay because it is an investment. Like do your own events. I feel like that's really big. Getting on other people's stages. But can you talk a little bit about uh, your experience with paying to get on other people's stage? Because it's a guaranteed stage, but then how do you make a profit from that? How does that work? Yeah, and yeah. So full disclosure, I, I'm at the. I'm still kind of at the beginning of this journey. I'm uh, three years into being a speaker, so I'm kind of you know, I'm kind of telling what I've been learning and the, uh, yeah, you want to try to get on the stages for no money at first, if you can, and just especially trying to, to sell. And even if they won't let you sell from the stage, you just need the stage experience. Um, especially if you can do events where they're videotaping the event and they'll share the video with you because then you can use that in, uh, in your marketing to get more speaking, right? Whenever someone books a speaker that's like, well, what do you say? What do you do? How do you do it? If they can actually see a video of you delivering some value to another group, it gives them some confidence in booking you on, on their stage. So 
the way I kind of started out is like I do everything. It's all about relationships. And so you have to build a relationship with whoever it is you're wanting to be on their stage. Right? It's not manipulation. It's just, it's just all about relationships. They have to know you like you and trust you before they're going to let you do anything in front of the people that they care about. So you have to just get to know them, get to know what their tribe, whoever, whoever they're going to put you in front of so that you can make sure that you're putting a pitch together that is giving value to their, to their group. And then to whoever that is sponsoring that event. Um, all of us are in business to make money. Uh, and that's the same for whoever's doing the events that you're wanting to speak. They're not doing it just out of the kindness of their heart. I mean, they, they may want to help people and change the world, but they also are trying to make, to make money. So you have to make sure that when, that whatever you're doing is going to help them with their end goal, which is to help their people and make money. And uh, this is definitely an interesting idea, like paying to speak on someone else's stage, because a lot of public speakers, you get the idea of, oh, like speak for free when you're first starting, then so they, they pay you to speak uh, on their stages. But there is that concept where if you pay uh, to get on someone else's stage, they have the right audience, you could get a lot of sales there. And even if you're not getting sales, if you're just doing free stuff or you're just getting started that uh, those videos are really important, as Scott mentions. I'm wondering how you use those videos and speaking real and other stuff like that to market yourself as a speaker. Like, how do you use that content to get on more stages? You know, you, you want to create a, a YouTube channel with uh, clips from your speaking. You want to find someone that's really good at editing uh, to create. Uh, once you have a few speaking videos, to create kind of a montage of you speaking. Uh, so that the perception of you is that you're doing that you're doing bigger and uh, better things. And the other thing that I've been able to use the videos for and then market from them is you can have them transcribed and then you can create other content. Like I've been able to create what, too many books out of some of the presentations that I've done. It's very easy to do that. And then you've actually got something that you've self published that you can send out to people where you're trying to get on their stage and you have something to put in the hands of the people that are actually in the seats of the room. So there's just huge value in actually just getting started. You have to watch how much you would pay. And uh, I, mean, I, I didn't do a deal recently because it was going to be a little bit more expensive out of pocket than I thought I could probably cover. Um, and so I didn't, didn't do the deal. It also matters, you know, when they're going to, are they going to put you on the stage? You know, if you're going to be at lunchtime uh, during an event, uh, it, it wouldn't be worth paying because no one's going to be paying attention. Or if you're going to be really late in the day, you need to watch out for that because people get tired at these events and they may not pay attention to you. So all of that matters. And, you know, so you want to make sure that whenever you do these deals, that you have a good speaker agreement in place that details these things so that you don't show up and get blindsided by, having a really bad speaker spot um, and not be able to achieve your goals. That is a really great point. The uh, timing of the speech that you give, because ideally you want morning because morning everyone's awake, everyone's attentive, right. but towards the end of the day, the event can really drag on you. So it's really interesting, like especially for a paid standpoint, when you're paying to get on the stage, uh, like if you're doing a free event, it's a little different. You work with the venues like time and stuff like that. But right. if you're paying, I've seen some of these things like you could be paying like tens of thousands of dollars to get on a stage. And if you're on it like a bad time, then that's a lot of money that you invested to just getting on one stage. So 
Uh, that's certainly something to think about. In your experience as a public speaker, what do you believe has been like the best method for you to get on more stages? Mine has been to just sell from the stage and not ask them, <coughs> excuse me, to not ask them to pay me and not pay them, but be able to rely on my ability to present value to a group and then add in a, a close or an offer uh, into my presentation uh, and sell from the stage. That's been the best for me. Um, you're also at that point able to build a list uh, because, you know, if, if you do your offer right, then you, everyone that even that don't buy, you're still getting the interest from them and you get their information and an opt-in for your email newsletter or some special report. Then you get to drip on them uh, and then you can have some other sales that come in over time, right? So it's not just what you close that day, although that's important. It's also who can you add into your um, email list so that you can then market everything else that you do. So I would say try to, if you're, when you're starting out, you want to, you want to not be out of pocket, anything other than your travel expenses and you don't want to have to split what you're selling. So you just hope that you can get on, you try to make the deal where you get on the stage and it's all up to you to whether you make money or not. If they want a split then that's okay. You just need to make sure that it's still profitable for you to do it and that you're, like we said, that you're getting video, you're getting audio, you're getting some of the things that you need to build your image. And if they're giving you those things, then it's worth it. Uh, you also want to make sure that there's going to be someone at the, at the event. You don't want to show up to five people. Right. It's really, there's not much value there for you. And you're, it's the same prep that you'd have to do for a hundred. So I would make sure that, uh, that that all happens. And it's really interesting how like, paying to get on other people's stages like it's a guarantee to get on the stage like i've submitted to a bunch of different places to speak uh, that's just the nature of public speaking you don't know you, it's not it's never really a guarantee but if you pay the money that the person wants you to pay like that's a guarantee so it is. i'd say if you've got extra money in the pocket combined with something you know is going to convert and give you your roi it's much it's a lot less hassle to get on those stages. So it's definitely a very interesting model for public speakers out there. It is. You just got to be, you want to make sure that you've got your presentation so tight uh, and know how to close that deal. If you're going to pay $10,000 to be on the stage that whatever you're selling, you can actually close because if you talk to a lot of people that have been doing this for a long time in the early days, they, their close ratios were bad. They didn't, you know, it's not, everyone's not natural at that and you have to learn it. You can get help, but there's people that can coach you on it and help you, but you, it's not a natural thing to go from presenter where you're giving ideas and value to actually closing and making an offer. And for, uh, for someone who is trying to work on that close, because I feel like you should know how to close before you pay 10 grand. That's right get on a stage like that. What's your advice for those people wanting to know? Well, I think it really is practice. So something you mentioned earlier is that the best way to practice is to do your own events. And so I would really encourage everyone to do that. We, we do that uh, still and get people to small events where you control it uh, and you can try different pitches where you've got a really controlled group and controlled costs and practice. And then you also want to, you know, before you ever go to an event, you want to have, you want to practice. Um, it's not just create the slide deck, show up and, you know, ready, shoot, aim. 
you really need to practice just like we did back in school for a presentation. You need to practice. I'm not saying memorize it necessarily, but you need to be very comfortable with the material, what comes next so that you don't have to really think too hard about what comes next. So you know how to transition from point to point and story to story and that it all feels really comfortable because if you seem like you don't know what you're saying, then you, they'll feel your lack of confidence and it will be hard to close the deal, no matter how good what you have is. If right. they can, t if they think you're not sure about what you're doing, it won't, it won't come off right. So you want to make sure you've practiced um, for every gig. And then I would, whatever you're trying to sell on someone else's stage, I would have tried multiple times to sell it on my own stage. And I like how Scott is telling us to, he's not saying like go in front of a mirror, practice by yourself, like just shoot videos on this. He's, at, he's like, get a live audience, organize your own event, and then try that pitch and see how people respond. I mean, I feel like a lot of people, they get costs a ton of money to organize their own events, especially if they've gone to like an event with hundreds of people where they have a mm -hmm. hotel venue or something like that. But I mean, right. my first event that I did out of state was at Coworking Solutions in Las Vegas. And Mm -hmm. I got that whole space for free. I just had to promote them and get the attendees in. I know libraries and restaurants or other great options, but I'm wondering, Scott, if you could give us some insights on finding some venues to organize your own events without it costing a ton of money. Yeah, I've done, I've done restaurants. I've also, I have done some hotels. You can negotiate pretty good deals with hotels. Um, they're not always full. And so if they've got some extra rooms that aren't being used, they'd rather have them used. And so they'll make a pretty good deal. I've had pretty good sized rooms before. I, I have had to pay, but like for $300, I would not, I would only get the room. I would also get like an hors d'oeuvre tray. Um, and that's pretty inexpensive. If you can then get 15 or 20 people in the room for you to practice, it's going to make a good, a good impression. And, um, and it's, it's still pretty low cost. Uh, libraries are a very good resource. The other, um, the, usually the public libraries don't want you selling from the stage. So you have to watch that. You can get, um, you can always get information so you can get them to opt into something, which is still a close, right? It's just not asking them for money right then. So that's still good practice. Uh, and then restaurants has been probably the, the best that I've found. You are going to have to make some commitment there generally, uh, to buy something from them, but can be pretty minimal. And you can also do it where the people can, can order their own coffee or whatever if it happens to be a morning event. Those are kind of the three. And then um, I haven't tried what you're talking about with the shared work, but I attended an event in San Diego a few weeks ago for the mastermind that I'm in. And they used, we, they, they were using um, the shared workspace. It was very economical and worked really well. And it's just kind of cool. So I think that's a, a, a definite reason to try some of those. There's several different brands now. Um, so I would, I would try that if I were starting out again is to see wh where could I get in there? The other nice thing is that if you can, you can have your bank, get some banners made fairly inexpensively promoting what you're doing. And if the people in that shared workspace happen to see it, then you know, that's some kind of, kind of just free marketing for what you're doing. And so you might find some people for your next event that way. And, uh, co-working spaces, that's the thing that, I've been doing that. I've been finding success in, I've heard about the restaurants and the libraries, but hotels, I mean, I'm definitely going to give that a try because I feel like people, myself included, thought it's like so expensive. But if you get one of those really nice rooms for just $300, it's definitely worth it. 
Yeah. And there's so many different brands of hotels out there now. It's uh, there's not just the really big ones. There's some smaller ones, um, you know, that are still fairly nice. Um, it, you may not want to stay there, but it's got a nice enough meeting rooms and things that it's still, when people walk into the lobby, it all looks nice. And it does give you a little bit of credibility when you're, you are somewhere like that instead of the library. Um, because everyone like, like Mark just said, assumes that there's a high cost to that. I let them assume that that's fine. But if you can do it for less expensive and still kind of get the street credit from it, um, I would, uh, if you're doing lots of events, that's obviously going to be cost prohibitive, but if you're doing one a month or so, and as long as you can sell something, uh, you can probably cover the cost. Another way to cover the cost is to find someone that is in an adjacent space to you in business and ask them to cover some of the cost as a sponsor of your event. Right. Um, I've had, I had a sponsor over the whole cost of a pretty big event for me. It wasn't really hard to sell. Um, and so if you're asking for three to $500 from someone to get their name in front of all your prospects, um, I would not just put them on banners and things for the event, but I would also be in the marketing you're doing for them, have it sponsored by people are looking for ways to, to get their name out there. And so you can find people that will do that. And sponsorship's definitely something really interesting as well. I mean, I feel like with public speaking, it's just so many different creative ways to get on stages, like make your own stage. That's the easiest way for you to get accepted. But uh, like getting, like paying to be on the stage, there's just so many different ways. I'm wondering if you could share with us some of the habits that have turned you into a successful public speaker. Uh, I think one of them we've already talked about is, is preparation. You have to really prepare. Um, the other habit that it, it's, I'm first going to tell you a bad habit that I've had to break uh, is I thought I had to have a completely different message for every presentation that I did. And you don't. Uh, you need to kind of come up with a core presentation. You may tweak it a little bit for each audience, but you want to have this core presentation that you just get better and better and better at. Because if you keep coming up with these unique ideas, then you're having to you know, remake the wheel every time. And that's tough. You want, so you want to come up with a good presentation that is, that is good for your core audience, for your avatar, and then just tweak it a little bit to meet each circumstance. Maybe you have, uh, have one tweak. The other habit I would say is to have is to start a file. Um, it can be digital or paper of stories and content that you think would be, be useful in your presentations and keep a catalog of those so that when you do get the opportunity to put, to speak, you can, could freshen up a presentation with a new story or with a new statistic um, that you, because you have a catalog of them. Um, and then the other is to just to make sure you're getting on that you're doing, you're getting on stages regularly so that you can keep your acts sharp. If you don't, then you step on that stage and you get really nervous. So try not to, uh, I try to keep too long between appearances and that may mean you have to do some free stuff and that's okay because you're just wanting to keep your act sharp. And so if that means you're going to a local civic club and doing a presentation and you don't have high hopes of selling, that's okay. It's, it's a craft and you're practicing it. And so that would be the three things I would say is uh, practice often, find a core presentation and stick with it and then make sure you're getting on stages enough to keep your act sharp. 
Scott, those are some really awesome habits. I like the idea of continuing to sharpen, continuing to improve, just really having a strong work ethic towards public speaking. So definitely really great habits there. This has been a really awesome episode uh, for people who are wondering, uh, like, where can we find Scott? How can we follow his work? Uh, what are some of the places we could go to find you? You know, you can always go to reblaw.com, R-E-I-B-L-A-W.com. Um, and then we've created a special uh, domain for you guys just for this show. It's reblaw, R-E-I-B-L-A-W.com forward slash P-P-S. And if you'll go there, there's a special offer just for Mark's listeners uh, that will give you um, my ebook, Five Strategies to Shatterproof Your Business, and a free laser legal coaching session with me to make sure that your speaking business is on the right tracks. Scott, thank you so much for those resources and sharing all of those great insights with us uh, that you have shared throughout this episode. And if anyone tuning in wants to figure out how can they use podcasting to get more stages, get more clients, that is something I help people with. So if you want to schedule a free strategy call with me, that's markthebird.com slash strategy. But once again, Scott, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on Profitable Public Speaking, sharing all of your great insights with us. Uh, you're so welcome, Mark. It's been a blast.